You're listening to From the Field, a podcast helping ministry leaders think differently, thrive personally, and lead thoughtfully. Welcome to From the Field. My name is Ryan Hughley. I'm lead pastor of Ridgeline Church in Salt Lake City, Utah, and the founder of Telio, a care and formation ministry for pastors. My name is Tyler Drabitz. I'm the executive pastor at Ridgeline, and also I lead a company called MyXP, where we help pastors solve problems by providing remote executive pastor support to churches around the country. So we're going to jump back into uh, the series that we are in uh, on a document that we have written called The Vital Few, which uh, lays out what we believe are the vital few behaviors that help us be the most faithful and fruitful church that Jesus has called us to be. Was that a yawn? It was... I'm like two seconds in. No, it wasn't exactly a yawn. It was like... It was sort of a... Yeah, yeah, it was a yawn. (laughs) You just just acted out a yawn. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, we're I'm off not, to a good yeah. start. I feel right. like this is going really good. All right, I gotta, I gotta. Before we jump in all that, we got, I got an opening question that I just found. Okay, mm-hmm. I think this is going to be a dangerous one. Uh oh. Because it's been a real tiring, long season of work, but I got a work-related question. Ooh, fun! So I want you to, t- to probably take a beat before you answer. Uh huh. <laughs> the question is, what would you change about your career? Um. Oh, I know right away. Okay. You know. We might have even, I might have like subconsciously chosen this like five episodes back. (laughs) So maybe I did it again. But what's your, I don't don't remember. All of a sudden I was like, you're getting ready to answer. I'm like, I feel like maybe we talked about this before. But let's see if it's changed. We'll go back. So what would your answer be? Um, It's, I don't like the... So in leading the company, it's my job to like attract clients Mm -hmm. and that's never been my favorite thing Mm and anything I've ever done. So at Starbucks, I worked at Starbucks in like Starbucks glory days. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I remember I opened the first store in uh, Western South Dakota and the line was like hours long the mm-hmm. first day that we opened. As a matter of fact, they give away like free, you give away a mm-hmm. free drink for this friends and family experience. Yeah. And we finally decided we were going to do just 1,000 and have to cut it off because that's how many Holy people cow. wanted. So some. you had 1,000 so, people. Yeah. And we just finally like uh, had to pull the, it was in a mall mm-hmm. and we had to pull the like chain door shut on people. And I just was like, I'm so sorry. You're going to have to pay tomorrow. I can't do anymore. <laughs> Wow, that's crazy. Yeah, because we were going to run out of stuff yeah. before we even opened. So I never had to attract people there. Mm-hmm. I just had to be great once I had them. Yeah. Um, and then in church, that's just never been my jam as far as like, I'm I'm happy to execute the thing, you know, whether it be once upon a time we did a mailer or mm-hmm. things like that. But as far as being real attractional, mm-hmm. that's, I just don't love that. Yeah. I want to like be great once you get there. Yeah. <laughs> you to figure out how to get there. And then with my XP, the same thing. Thankfully, um, up till this point, we haven't had to do much at all. Mm-hmm. Marketing, the word has gotten out. and um, But that stress as somebody, uh, somebody cycles off and just the idea that that translates into the ability to pay the team and mm-hmm. all those kind of things, I don't care for that at all. Yeah, uh, that's, I think that's fair. 
Mm-hmm. I think, I don't know if this is really an answer to like what I would change. I would say what I find maybe the most laborious currently is like, I feel like, uh, well, I, I don't think I could change this without being like a horrible pastor. So I'm not sure how to answer it exactly. Mm. But I think, I think it's, it's very hard to, to right now, especially, you know, especially like we're talking about this on a week where, like I literally just went out to lunch with a guy in our church and masks and digital only ordering were back, you know? Oh. So we're like back into this world of how do we deal with the whole... To go in, you had to have to a mask go in. in. Yep. Oh, bummer. Yeah. I didn't so, know that. I got to put them back in my car. I know. Oh, so we're right. back to like how, how as pastors and ministry leaders, how do we deal with the masking thing and how do we manage the like split personality that the church has right now on the mm. issue? And I feel if you could just err on the side of like, I'm just going to be a domineering, this is how it's going to be, this is what we're going to do, that would be easier. Mm -hmm. Or this just like, we don't care about anything and everybody do whatever you want. And and I feel like to lead faithfully right now means like standing in the middle Mm -hmm. and holding the tension between those two things. And I just like, that is exhausting. Mm Mm-hmm to, to do. So I would, I don't know how you change that. I don't think you can change that, but if I could change one thing today, I think, I think it would by and large be that. Well, and you showed me a video of a guy who really landed on one side the other day. Oh yeah. And you don't want to be that guy. Quote unquote pastor. Cause I don't even mm-hmm. think he's a real pastor. Greg yeah. Locke, mm-hmm. just blowing his stack on. If you come to my church in a mask, we're going to, I'm going to personally kick you out and saying, you're like, Oh cool. Yeah. Just like Jesus. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't understand. Yeah, he's a clown. Anyway, anyway. <laughs> so we are. Uh, we're gonna, we we're just gonna lost a few Greg Lock fans. No, so. I don't. I mean, uh, if if we have people listen, they listen to hate us. If they are also That's Greg Lock fans, fair. That's probably what's true. Mm-hmm. All right, so we're going to jump back into this, uh, the vital few, and mm. uh, just want to say again, if you're joining us for the first time, it would probably be advantageous that you hit pause on this episode and you go back and listen to the intro one about the vital few can you, so you can understand what it is. Mm. And then after that, I would say you can jump in wherever you want because we're talking about these seven different things. And today we're going to talk about what we call helping churches thrive. Mm. And so here's how we define this. Ridgeline is only one church in the larger scope of the church. Fulfilling Jesus' great commission requires the development of a countless number of churches. Ridgeline has a role to play in this larger mission. We seek to create simple and reproducible systems, coach to our strengths, and share what we learn in order to influence other churches toward greater levels of faithfulness and fruitfulness. So we're going to break that down little by little, but like the big idea of that is that we don't only care about the church we pastor. Mm -hmm. We care about any church as well, that God would give us the opportunity to have any amount of provide support, encouragement, help, all that. We care about that and have for a very long time. So let's just start back at the beginning of this. We say that Ridgeline, uh, and you can insert the name of your church there too, but Ridgeline is only one church in the larger scope of the church. I think that alone is an important phrase because it's easy to live in a world, and some churches do, as if they are the only church. Sure. That everyone else should close up shop and all those everybody should, should come just to come my here. Church. Yeah, yeah. And I don't even want all those people. No, no, you can keep them. Like, <laughs> yeah. uh, but then it goes on. And it says fulfilling Jesus' great commission requires the development of a countless number of churches, which is true. And so Ridgeline has a role to play in this larger mission. So let's talk about that part for a second, because I I, I think back to 
maybe when we planted redemption mm-hmm. and probably in the first, you know, two, three, four years. And we were like going to conferences and, and, uh, and I remember having a lot of like kind of very typical young church planter conversations about like, man, wouldn't it be amazing if God gave us a big ministry like this so that we could be influential and we could be helpful. Mm-hmm. And, and so I think we like spent a number of years sort of waiting for um, permission yeah. that comes through being a quote unquote big church yeah. before we took any opportunity to try to be a blessing to the people around us. Yeah. And I think that's something that we, I don't remember exactly when it happened, but there, I mean, well, probably when we wrote this document and we just decided mm-hmm. like, we're not going to, we're not going to wait on that anymore. We're going to look at where we are right now and know that there is some way in which God wants to use the experience that we've had sure. and the gifts that he's given us and the unique insight, not better or like, um, but more just, unique to us. Like every single person has a unique perspective on something Sure, and others would benefit from learning from that as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, um, I mean it, so yeah, I, I don't know. I think the big thing that changed was that we didn't necessarily put on huge conferences or invite people to our non-existent building for some sort of like (laughs) retreat or anything like that. Yeah. But it was just a matter of really thinking about like, what can we do with what we have? Yeah. And I think, you know, I even think about my XP and this organization and ministry that exists to serve churches largely came from us attending, I mean, from a lot of different things, but uh, it was incepted as an idea into our minds, you know, years ago when we would go to different things like that and mm-hmm. people would always comment about how, like, they wanted someone like me. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, some of your friends provided me how do I get a, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I mean, I've been asked more times than I can count, how do I get a Tyler? Sure, absolutely. And I think... And our answer is always, we'll go back in a time machine. Yes. Find that kid in eighth grade that Red everybody no else friends. was mean to. Yeah. <laughs> And, and be, you weren't especially and be, nice to, but for some reason I took a shiny. But when your cool friends aren't looking, be super nice to right, that kid. Right, 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 right. <laughs> what you need to do is live not that far from him and need a ride home from football <laughs> practice. Right. And instead of being a jackhole and sitting in silence on the way home, you build a friendship. That's, That's right. what that happened. That's what anyway. Happened. But regardless, though, I mean, it was a matter of just understanding that as, uh, or just even engaging in conversation about problems people were having and recognizing, wait, um, it seems to me, and I think one of the things, it wasn't just that we were waiting for permission, Mm -hmm. but I think it's probably a good thing that we weren't so directly um, aggressive slash arrogant to believe that like we had something unique to bring Mm -hmm. to the party. But even even the feedback we've gotten about this podcast, we think about things just a little bit differently than other Mm -hmm. people do. And I think it it was a matter of being in lots and lots of conversations or lots of situations where people presented problems that we were able to help solve. Yeah. And recognize I I don't know why Mm -hmm. this isn't what you think to do too. Not in a condescending way. It just is well, if this is unique, I might as well talk about it because right. I got lots of opinions. Right. Man, do I have right. opinions. But there is, I think, in what you're saying, like there is an important place for self-awareness and humility because nobody's super pumped about the first year, like no. a, a church planner that had, just has a core group Mm-mm. that's going to talk about everything that is wrong with the church and how they have all the answers. So don't be that person. Right. But I think looking at... 
and being, I think it more than anything, it is about being attentive about like, what are, what is unique to you? Yeah. And, and I think, um, you know, if I was a uh, one year in, I can see there's other people that are thinking about planting a church someday. Sure. And so one of the things that I can talk about and think through is like what that process is like discerning my calling and knowing when I'm ready and, yeah. and just talking about what the process of the first year has been. But if you're like, you know, if you're one year in and it's like you and your spouse and your pets, you know, mm-hmm. you being an expert on staffing probably isn't an awesome idea sure. when you don't have any. Yeah, that's fair. But I think being attentive to where you are and mm-hmm. what you're, what, what is you, cause we don't talk about everything. Like, no. you know, we've got friends that have other podcasts and they talk about a bunch of like very specific theological bends. And that's just mm. like, it's not that we don't care about theology, but that's just not our, that's not our area of, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I can't look at you if you're going to make that face at me, okay? <laughs> Tyler's rolling his head, his eyes so far back in his head, I think they almost got stuck. Ugh. But the point is, you know, stop waiting for someone to green light you. Yeah. You don't need someone to give you permission. You sure. need to invest where you're passionate. And, and then I would say the big thing is like, and then don't get hung up on the scope of the influence. Like, yeah. if we can't pull off you know, this thousand person event, then I don't have anything to contribute into the greater church. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think like, again, be a good steward, scatter the seed and trust where it's going to land. And I think even, I mean, we talked about it uh, at different points for this podcast, but I think we had no idea how this would go. I think you started out thinking we'd get a good five episode run and that was going to be it. And the truth is it's been helpful to some Mm -hmm. people, not all the people, Mm -hmm. but some people. And that's important. Yeah. And I mean, I think too, I think starting where you are and really learn, I was just having a, at this lunch, I was just at with a friend. We were talking about the importance of learning to love uh, process more Mm. than results. Mm -hmm. Um, Because if you get hung up on the results and then you don't get the results that you want, then the whole exercise feels useless. Right. But like, you know, I think I started blogging before I'd even written like uh, pastor to church yeah. and I don't blog. I don't know if anybody blogs anymore, but there was <laughs> something about that activity of, of writing that helped me figure out how I thought mm. about some of these things. And so I wasn't, I mean, there weren't like, I don't even know if there were people reading that blog, but it was helping me begin totally. to form my thoughts. And so yeah. I would just say like, do not worry about the scope of your influence. Just be faithful uh, where you are and enjoy that process. For sure. And I think meter that with the investment of time, energy, and money into what you're doing. Sure. That if, um, if it is something that is helping, helping the two or three people, it doesn't yeah. have, you don't have to build yourself some sort of, uh, you shouldn't spend 20 hours a week on that. Or, yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that's because good. that's not the primary place of focus that God's entrusted you with. Right. Yeah. So when we think about then how we do this, Mm -hmm. helping churches thrive, there are three main things. And then there's like one sort of tangential we can talk about in a minute as as well. But let's break these three downs, three things down. So the first one is we create simple and reproducible systems. Mm -hmm. That's something I know that, um, pretty early on, we tried to be mindful of, Sure, you know, and I think, I think part of it was the result of, um, we are not currently, but for most of our ministry, we've been a part of some network, 
Yeah. I think at some point we've been a part of all of them mm-hmm. at this point. Yeah. Um, but it was a, it was because if it's burned to the ground. We were a part of it. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you got to start to wonder about the common denominator yeah. in that <laughs> or just that we've given up on networks. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, being in, I was talking to a pastor friend yesterday about, you know, I do, we're not in a network right mm-hmm. now. And on the one hand, uh, I, I mean, I think that's right for us yep. in, in the season that we're in. I think that it's super, super necessary for a lot of people mm-hmm. um, to be in one. But I would say, and this, I was thinking about this yesterday, the one thing that is hard about not being in a network is the big benefit of, of it is that usually if you're in a network, there's going to be some sort of like monthly or quarterly or annual connect yeah. that is built in to being in that network. Sure. And apart from that, you don't have the, um, it's not that, that connection is not naturally built in and it requires a very high level of intentionality from you. And so it's easier to have that built in. But because we had that, we were just constantly connecting with other pastors and ministry leaders. And so we tried to be intentional in these, you know, systems things that we were strong at to build them in a way that we could help other people too. Totally. Which was a big part of, I think, and continues to be. I mean, ultimately, it's become my XP. Sure. But but it was happening all the way back with you visiting church friends to talk through their connection process, for right. instance, yeah. which has been a huge one for us. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, even back then, it was one of those things where there was like a vision for what could be, but it was sadly pretty complicated just because Mm -hmm. the desire for technology to like get there and to take care of some of these things was a lot more difficult. And now a lot more things are like advancing Mm -hmm. in ways that can be really, really beneficial to just helping people get and stay connected at your church or really whatever the system be, whether it be, you know, having somebody submit for a reimbursement or things Mm -hmm. like that. I think, I think putting yourself in a place, if, if, if this is something you have a passion for putting yourself in a place where you're constantly trying to think of the lowest common denominator and how is it going to be a challenge and Mm -hmm. how is it like I always think of with my XP I always think of um, so growing up our church had this church secretary who um, God has still kept alive today and I remember when I was younger it felt like she was a thousand years old (laughs) and she's still kicking and still serves that same church I Hmm. mean and this was 40 years ago or you know whatever and so um uh, I always try to think of her in mm-hmm. my mind or other church secretaries I've interacted with. And how do I not treat people like they're dumb, but just recognize it can't have 42 steps and, yeah. you know, a lot of hot keys and things like that. It needs like a submit Yeah, button It's not a matter or. of treating people like they're dumb, but definitely assuming that not everyone has a high degree of understanding when it comes to technology sure. and making it simple. Not everyone else has looked at every button ever right. and thought, I wonder what that does. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's... You've like, been doing that since you were like... Tiny. A toddler. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, every time my parents got a big conversion van, mm-hmm. and it was one of those with lots of stuff. Yeah. And I remember they, like, I finally started getting grounded. I got in lots of trouble <laughs> because I would go and turn on 
every, they'd have to like pull the breakers out. Cause I'd mm-hmm. turn on, I'd sneak out to the van just to see what buttons would do. So <laughs> I know that that's unique to me yeah. and I can't interact with everyone as though I can just say, Hey, use this tool. And then they know how to use it. Right. You've got to break it into digestible pieces in a way that you genuinely care about it being able to be reproduced. Yep. If I only cared about being the one to execute or do it, it'd be way more complicated because that kind of thing doesn't bother me. And actually, if it's too easy, it's kind of boring. Yeah. And so it's really important to always put yourself in someone else's shoes, ask for lots of feedback, and then create these systems that are genuinely reproducible by others. Yep, that's good. And um, a part of, like, if your gift set does not lie in system creation, then mm-hmm. this should not be a part of the way that you help churches thrive. Exactly. The point is, this is how, this is one of the ways we do it. Yes. And then secondly, and I would say that this is something that could apply to all of us is uh, we coach to our strengths. Mm-hmm. Um, and so again, we just talked about this, but there are certain whole areas of ministry that we spend very little time talking about on this podcast. Sure. Um, but then there are other areas, like I wrote a book on sermon preparation. So mm-hmm. I've done quite a bit of work and had a number of conversations with other pastors and ministry leaders on how to prep sermons sure. in, a, in a time-effective manner that gives me the ability to also be um, a good spouse and to do all the other things that I need to do sure. as well. Which, oddly enough... You have talked to lots of people mm-hmm. about that. We've never talked about it on the podcast. Seems like that's something we could do. Yeah, we Seems could. Like it just good. bores, I know it just bores you to tears. Oh, two tears. Yeah. So, man. I will say, if you mention Planning Center one more time, we're doing a whole series on sermon preparation. <laughs> I feel <laughs> like it's only fair. I almost brought it up today and I didn't. <laughs> Are you proud of me? I am. Mm. So, uh, but some other examples for us would be like like this, the vital few. I think yeah. having, um, I don't know how to, I know some people get really like weird about using language like this in the context of the church, but like organizational clarity, I would say is really like what the vital few is about. Mm -hmm. That's a strength for us. Um, Connection uh, and systems. I think culture is something that we're strong at, but stepping back and looking at what are our, cause, cause not every church, like our church has either has, we we have some weaknesses. Mm -hmm. We also have things we just like flat out don't do. Yeah. Like we don't do small groups in the traditional sense. So we're probably not going to do a series Mm -hmm. on how to best do small groups. No, no. You don't want to do that one. Mm-mm. If you had to choose between the small group one and the sermon prep one, which one? Sermon prep all day. Every day. Okay, good. So we coach to our strengths. Mm-hmm. And then thirdly, we share what we learn. Mm. Um, and so I think, you know, we've like, we don't have any real like secrets. We want to mm-hmm. share and give away everything sure. that we can. So, I mean, a real time example would be we keep hawking this vital few document. If you want it, you can email it to us or email yeah. us and we'll give it to you. Which at some point, every time you say it, mm-hmm. I, I like log away, not a very good place, mm-hmm. a real lost place. Yeah. I should just post it on our website and then people could go there. I don't know why that hasn't been done yet. Can you not get to it on our website at all? Nope. Oh, okay. You can, uh, the cultural canon you can that we talked yeah. about last week. And this week. should be there too. It yeah. just hasn't just been there, done. Yeah. yeah. It needs to be a PDF and look good. And yeah. I don't know. It hasn't really. <laughs> Today's not the day. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't really been vibing PDF making. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But, uh, uh, but I think, I think to me, I think it is a, I hope that we have always tried to be generous 
toward mm-hmm. other church. I, th- I would say the churches that we have led, and I think this is an area that you've led in a major way because it's such a core component to your like spiritual DNA. You are an, an, an exceptionally generous person. Mm-hmm. Anyone who is friends with you has definitely experienced that. But I think that's one of the biggest fingerprints that you leave on our ministries is that we tend to have generous ministries as mm-hmm. well. And as a result of that, that's not just like an internal thing. We want to be generous to other churches and other ministry leaders as well. Totally. And so that looks like if anything we do would be of help to you, then we will give it away. Like we've sure. given away, like we've got a great designer in, in-house and we've given away sermon IDs and mm-hmm. like we're not going to edit it for you and put your church name on it because yeah. that takes more work, but you can have whatever you want. <laughs> right. We don't care. Right. But I think looking at, the things that you have learned, the experiences that you've had, and then how do you, I just think it's such a shame to hoard what you learn and not to share it. Because you could help someone not go through the experiences, especially painful ones that you go through by being very open totally. about those things, yeah. rather than just like hoarding it like it was just for you. Totally. So I, I would say another thing that um, I would encourage churches to do, like most churches probably have some sort of like like line item in their budget that is for like external missions or yeah. something like that. Mm-hmm. We have not, we don't really have that. What we have is this line item that is helping churches thrive. That's what we call it. Yep. Yeah. And so sometimes like we've used that at the time, at, at times to support um, a missionary who's going to be off abroad. Mm-hmm. Um, but we've also used it to care for and bless uh, pastors. Yeah, you know, like I remember absolutely. a Christmas when we were in Chicago and we had a handful of pastor friends that, that our church gave gifts to on Christmas, knowing that, that their churches were not going to be in a position to bless them in these specific ways. Totally. And I would say that has been, uh, I mean, I just remember that being a massive blessing to those people. Oh, sure. Because sadly, I mean, and you talk about this and you've been a real advocate for this in the churches that you work with, uh, with my XP, but just a lot of pastors are not, and most pastors will say amen to this, are not well cared for. Mm. Like paid like crap, yep. run into the ground, yeah. um, not very well encouraged and cared for. And so we can like, you know, we can be pissed about that and complain yeah. about that constantly, or we can seek to do that for one another at very least. Sure. Seek to do it for one another and make an impact where you are as well. I mean, not to derail the whole conversation, but if you talk to any church staffing group, mm-hmm. I mean, now is, if you're looking for a position in ministry, now's the time. Yeah. Because like, if you're on the fence and have wondered, you might as well dabble now because you'll have probably no limit of job offers. I was just talking to a guy who's looking for, it's a good sized church, Mm -hmm. a good environment. He's a great leader and he's looking for a new worship leader. And he said he did that a few years ago. And within a week he got something like 35 or 40 applications. And, um, He's posted for it in similar places, mm-hmm. uh, and obviously the prevalence of online mm-hmm. options is just way greater. And uh, so far in the last few weeks, he's only gotten three, wow. and one of them had a video resume. And oh, I'm just no. gonna leave it. I'm just gonna leave it alone. Yeah. But it was Not something good. else. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you get to see it? Oh yeah. Oh, for I for sure. sure need to see this. Yeah, it was <laughs> something. It was just it was something different. So. <laughs> Needless to say, I don't think that that individual will be getting a callback. Yeah. Um, 
And I think we decided that maybe this person just applies to everything. Mm -hmm. And who knows? But I'm telling you, at some point, I'm going to see that guy on somebody's stage leading worship one week because um, it's just hard right now. And Mm -hmm. so I think that this is one of the ways uh, we can really care for people and help people understand that um, when you're in ministry, your role is to not only think about your treasure being in heaven. Mm-hmm. That's an important thing, mm-hmm. but here's something that's that's just going to just throw it out there. And anyone, regardless of their vocation, is supposed to think about that as well. There's no extra treasure right. for those in ministry, and, right. and, but that's how it's conveyed or thought about and I mean, uh, it's used anyway. it's used as a way to justify not paying people in vocational ministry very well yeah for sure that, well, god's that, like god's got you yeah well yeah how about you got me because you're, right. you're the ones that are you're supposed to be paying disney me. world yeah and we're going to the park <laughs> yeah. so oh, yeah. yeah yeah so anyway yeah i think uh you know on that on that topic i mean your your point i understand that you're saying is um this is a time when a lot of ministry leaders are really limping. Oh yeah, and, and quitting at, and at dropping alarming like rates. Yeah, yeah. How I um, I'll answer too. How so? We'll just have a sidebar. We're mm-hmm. only at twenty eight minutes. Okay, so we well, got some time go. to sidebar because we're pretty much done with all this. Cool. So I think this maybe maybe just in talking openly about this, this can encourage someone else at least that you're not alone. How frequently do you? have the thought, I don't, I don't want to do what I'm doing anymore. How, how frequently in the, in the course of a, a month or maybe even a week, how frequently do you think like, I would, I would love to do something else. Do you think me? Yeah. You, or do you mm. not think that? Um, I don't know what it would be. Yeah. And I think <laughs> the, the cost benefit like there are times when I'm annoyed mm-hmm. by my job, but it also has afforded me the ability to do some great things. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like if I'm ever there, I get away from it pretty quick. So I don't dwell there very mm-hmm. long. But you have to, but, but semi-regularly you have to like do that work, right? Oh yeah. Of reminding yourself, right. here's why I shouldn't quit. <laughs> and obviously my job is unique. You know, we're speaking to an audience of pastors. I mean, how many times in the last month have I told you about an hour into setup, I just am going to go home? Totally, yeah. <laughs> Several times. Yeah. yeah. So so in that specific work of ministry, it's been hard. Yep. Mm-hmm. And it's, I, uh, I'd i say the same thing. Like I have to, I have to work myself through that all the time as well. And I think one thing that is really important for ministry leaders to know is that, like, I just read another article this morning about the... Um, turnover, like people quitting to do other jobs Mm -hmm. is higher than it has ever been right now. So it's not like just, you know, because I think when we don't talk openly about it, like you can say, there's been days I want to quit and your church shouldn't freak. Like I try to tell people in our church in meetings all the time, oh, I've wanted to quit constantly. I'm not going to, but I've wanted to for sure. So that we normalize the struggle in it. Sure. Because um, I, I would think that there are, if you are isolated as a ministry leader and you already feel like, well, I'm a lead pastor, I can't voice any of these things because what will my staff or my church think? Like, and if you've wanted to quit, like, freaking ditto. Like, who hasn't? Sure. It doesn't matter what the job is. But I think doing some of that work, there has been some really good um, articles written over the last you know, few months about how do we work through that and how do we know? Because I would say there are probably some pastors who should. Yeah. Like, well, and I think 
the reality is one of the ways, and, and I just kind of articulated it, but I'll get more pointed. Mm-hmm. The way you work yourself through it is not exclusively I'm doing this for the Lord because that applies in everything. Sure. Like it is not an elevated like excellent, most awesome thing you can do in your lifetime. Right. There are lots of things you could do that honor the Lord and you're going to hear well done at the end of your life. Yep. That's just true. Yep. Uh, so the other thing you need, in addition to serving the Lord, because that applies in all situations for Christians, mm-hmm. um, is to be able to reflect on this is a really good job yeah. and they take care of me. Right. And I'm not sure I would find the same things elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And those are some, like even in the job that I have uh, with my XP, those are some of the things I think about. That mm-hmm. Yes, it's frustrating. Yes, it's difficult. Yep, and yes, all too. of those things. And sometimes you have to land on, but this is a good job mm-hmm. and I get paid well mm-hmm. and I'm well cared for. Mm-hmm. And the board that you serve on mm-hmm. of my XP um, cares for me and those types of, and so then you work yourself through it. It cannot just be that I'm doing this for the Lord because you can do all the things mm-hmm. for the Lord and should we're commanded to. Mm-hmm. So to j- have that be the only, and su- for some guys, I know them, I mm-hmm. support a few. Mm-hmm. That's the only, mm-hmm. <laughs> the only straw to pull on mm-hmm. is it's for the Lord. It's for the Lord. It's for the Lord. And it's hard sometimes when mm-hmm. I feel like, yeah, and there's a lot of mm-hmm. things that you could do. So let's say, so you have, uh, you connect with the pastors that you support mm-hmm. twice a month, right? Is it uh, once a month or twice a month? Twice a month for if you're more than bookkeeping. Like, like yeah. if you're full subscription yeah, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. So let's say that you're having one of your bi-monthly connects mm-hmm. and uh, a pastor tells you, I'm wiped yeah. from COVID and I've uh, been doing this long enough and I'm, I'm thinking about quitting. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you what do you think are some of the questions that you would ask them or encourage them to think about um, before they like pull the cord and make that decision? Yeah, I mean, I think you have to have another plan or option mm-hmm. because I think on the other end, don't over spiritualize your decision too much to believe that you're going to jump and the parachute of the Lord has to catch you. <laughs> the parachute um, of the Lord. I like that. I just feel like that's a little naive yeah. to, to that's not faith. M- yeah, that's just foolishness. Yeah. To make a self-driven decision and then have God mm-hmm. responsible for the rest of it is yeah weird. Um, and so I think, I think that, and then I think really trying to make sure, I think part of, part of where the question is hard is because I connect regularly enough, I can see it coming. Mm-hmm. And so it's not a matter of just a blip in time. It's yeah. a matter of me understanding there's been some struggles with the leadership team for a while now. Mm-hmm. And there's been some, you know, and I had, um, I've had that happen a mm-hmm. few times and, and had some of those conversations. And in some cases, one I can think of in particular, I would have done the exact same thing probably mm-hmm. a lot sooner. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's really challenging. And I think in some cases for some guys, I don't know if I'm a positive influence or if, or if I'm not, because yeah. I think it's important to point out when things aren't right, like this yeah. is just not right. Yeah. And we need to work on You're being it, mistreated. It yeah, exactly. Or um, best case scenario, you should be treated better mm-hmm. based on all of this. And so, yeah. Yeah, I think about how, I mean, I've been having a a number of conversations actually, even just this week with people in our church that are in their own jobs or going through the same thing. And I think, um, I think a couple of things I think about that I've been encouraging before they, you know, make the 
questions that I've been asking is mm-hmm. like, like how much of this is emotional and, and due to fatigue? Mm-hmm. Because I think anytime we're making life decisions in a season of immense fatigue, that's dangerous at best. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying that it's, you know, emotion will always be a part of these decisions, but if sure. you're just like reacting to the fact that you've been hyper isolated for the last 16 months and on zoom 18 hours a day, like, yeah, I mean that you're, you're not, you may not necessarily, you're just like, I just have to change this now. Yeah. And that can be a short sighted way to make the decision. Totally. I'd also look at like, is there, are there any aspects to the job that are, um, miserable or that are, compounding the difficulty that you have the ability to change and try to change those first. Like maybe the answer is not, I don't want to be a pastor, but maybe you need to be a pastor in a different way. Like I think I'm, I pastor in a way I feel like is very different than 12, 13 years ago. Sure. And so I think you can think about that beforehand. Um, I think a big question that I think about is, um, is this causing my soul harm? So like my mental, emotional um, health and is it taking a toll on my family? I think the thing that you said a minute ago about like, are you just being mistreated? Yeah. And, and, and you're in a position to do nothing about it other than just continue to be mistreated forever. Yeah. Um, I just think that to give time and attention and then, you know, probably seek out someone that is objective and trusted to be a sounding board about whether or not this is something that you think about. But I definitely am not of the mindset any longer that every single person who is in vocational ministry should die in vocational ministry. Totally. Like sometimes it's just for a season. Yep. And to your point, you can serve God in a unlimited number of ways. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think that if you are a pastor listening with a staff or a board member listening, I would just throw it out there. The likelihood your staff member couldn't have four job offers on the table tomorrow Mm -hmm. Uh, in the current season that we're in with the church and everything else is slim to none. And so it's time to start thinking about Mm -hmm. um, are there ways to ensure that our teams are cared for appropriately? Yeah. Yeah. I've been thinking about, you know, we have a lot of medical professionals and nurses and I've had quite uh, conversations with a lot of them that they're like, we're we're tired of this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I just think if, if we don't find a way to start paying some of these people like millions of dollars or to mm-hmm. somehow fix this, their work situations, I don't, I just, I genuinely don't know how some of these industries are going to be sustainable for people because sure. it's just crushing. So anyways, um, hopefully some of that was helpful and not entirely discouraging. Um, but again, we really care about, uh, this helping churches thrive. So let me just recap what we've talked about. Uh, Ridgeline or insert your church name. There is only one church in the larger scope of the church. Fulfilling Jesus' great commission requires the development of a countless number of churches. Ridgeline has a role to play in this larger mission, so we seek to create simple and reproducible systems, we coach to our strengths, and we share what we learn in order to influence other churches toward greater levels of faithfulness and fruitfulness. So we're going to be back next week. I think next week's our last week of this series, so yeah. we got to figure Ooh, out what one. we're going to do next. Uh, it is. Yep. Mm-hmm. I got uh, some things to you say. got some things to say. Whew, buckle up. 
Uh-oh. Tai-Tai's got some, he's going to drop some wisdom. Some things. <laughs> well, thanks so much uh, for listening. And if this is your first time with us and you've enjoyed it, uh, we would love it if you helped us in three ways. You can subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can leave a review wherever you listen. And we would love to connect with you on social media. So you can find me on all platforms at, at Ryan Hughley. That's H-U-G-U-L-E-Y. And you can find me on the same platforms at, at Tyler Dravitz. That's D-R-E-W-I-T-Z. Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. See you later. You're quick on that one. <laughs>